2: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleOnix Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting On Demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, January 31st, which means today is the W. WWE Royal Rumble. And tomorrow, which may in fact be now, depending on when you're listening to this, on Monday, Monday morning, the full year 2020 wrestleomics report on the professional wrestling industry will be released. You can get it on payhip for $6. Or it'll be given to all patrons who are the $5 supporters at patreon.com slash But in other news, a huge deal went down, announced. On Monday morning of last week, WWE has made a media rights agreement for all the WWE Network content in the U.S. The U.S. rights to its business partner, NBC Universal, Peacock. A lot of thought to come on that, plus your questions. And we'll dive right into it. But first... Here's the latest in professional wrestling television viewership news. This, of course, the viewership in the U.S. The month of January has come to an end, with WWE SmackDown leading in the month, as usual, with 2.1 million viewers on average. Trailing is WWE Raw, with a flat 2 million on average. Behind Raw, with less than half the audience, AEW Dynamite. With 700,000 viewers on average. Again, this is for the month of January. And behind AEW Dynamite with a flat 600,000 viewers. I'm rounding up here. WWE NXT. And coming in fifth, Impact Wrestling with 155,000 viewers on average. That's the total audience. Compared to January of last year, AEW Dynamite fell the furthest. Falling 22%. And a very consistent decline across the rest of the programs with SmackDown down 13% and each of Raw, NXT, and Impact down 14%. Key demo, though, the only thing that matters, the leader there, is WWE Raw with 800,000 viewers exactly on average for the month of January, edging out SmackDown with 759,000 viewers on average. Those programs are trailed by AEW Dynamite at 359,000. NXT at 194,000, and Impact Wrestling at roughly 60,000. So each of SmackDown and Raw roughly doubling AEW Dynamite in the key demo of 18 to 49. In that key demographic, NXT has fallen the furthest, down 25% from January of 2020. AEW Dynamite doing only a little bit better, down 23%. SmackDown down 19%, Raw down 16%. And Impact Wrestling, up, up in the key demo. Apparently, there could be some issues because I'm using the demo rating to convert into viewers. But Impact Wrestling appears to be up 21%, which means there was probably some, at least some genuine increase for Impact in the key demo. Is that due to AEW's interaction with Impact Wrestling on Tuesday nights on Access? Could be. In the head-to-head competition on Wednesday night, AEW continues to beat NXT overall. Throughout the month of January 2021, AEW leading NXT in total audience by 17%, 17% ahead of NXT is AEW, and in the key demo ahead by 82%. In the month of January, without having to go against Monday Night Football, WWE Raw increased its lead over AEW Dynamite in every single demo that I can measure this data, of course, coming from showbuzzdaily.com, while the margin in December... In the P18 to 34 demographic, the younger half of the key demo, while that margin for Raw was only 24% in December, it is now more than 100%. Raw more than doubling AEW now in that young demographic. Raw nearly doubling AEW in the 18 to 49 demographic, and 150% is the lead that Raw has over Dynamite in total audience, 150%. And when it comes to P50 plus, more than tripling Raw. Uh, raw is more than tripling Dynamite with people over the age of 50. That's the big picture, the averages in January. In the minutia of this past week, uh, Impact Wrestling did a, uh, let's see, 186,000 viewers in total audience. That is its highest rating, its highest total audience since December 8th. That is the big hyped episode where Kenny Omega appears for the first time. So a big, big audience for Impact relative to what it usually does. Keep in mind that's still a small fraction of any of the other four programs. Uh, Impact ranking in the key demo at uh, 118th this week. And with no news competition, NXT came in at 24th on Wednesday night on cable, uh, while AEW came in at 6th. Again, this is all in the 18-49 to demo. Raw ranked number one on its night of Monday, Raw doing 1.8 million viewers, SmackDown doing 2.2 million viewers, both of those numbers very much in the norm for the month of January for both of those programs. As we close the book on, on January 2021, 20, uh, takeaway from this is that Raw and SmackDown doing pretty well here after doom and gloom, perhaps from people like me, especially Through the summer, and while Raw went against Monday Night Football and recorded its lowest viewership number ever, a pretty good bounce back, uh, a comfortable margin ahead of AEW. And uh, WWE faces analyst questions from the stock analysts this Thursday as uh, Vince McMahon and Nick Khan tag team to take on the investment community. I mean, let's be honest, it's really an eight-person tag match to include uh, Chief Brand Officer Stephanie McMahon and Chief Financial Officer Christina Sale. And all four of those executives are advertised to appear on the conference call this Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, which you can listen to live at corporate.wwe.com. I know I will be listening in. But I think that's all for viewership this week. We've got an extended edition. You can probably see the timestamp already. Well over one hour of delving in to the minutiae of this deal between NBC Universal for the, the rights to the WWE Network for its Peacock premium streaming service. So let's begin by going through some of the facts and quotes that we came to learn beginning on Monday morning when I awoke and looked at my phone and I saw a text message from someone who texted me and said, This is going to be a busy day for you. And I said to myself, Oh no. What happened? And then I checked my email and I figured, well, there must be a press release in here somewhere. And I looked at my email and I said, oh no, it's happened. WWE has signed a deal with NBC Universal, a transformative streaming rights deal, leveraging World Wrestling Entertainment's value in its highly viewed live content. That from the press release... Later from the Wall Street Journal uh, reporting, quote, a person familiar with the deal said it runs five years and is valued at more than $1 billion. Sports Business Journal uh, also supporting that claim reporting, executives would not discuss financial de- details of the five-year deal, but it is said to be worth more than $1 billion. And if you divide $1 billion by five, you get $200 million, which means the average annual value for this deal is around or more than $200 million per year. The press release quotes, WWE Network is a transformative addition to the platform and complements Peacock's massive catalog of iconic movies and shows, as well as the best live news and sports from NBC Universal and beyond. End quote. And then, WWE President and Chief Revenue Officer Nick Kahn Chimes in. He says, quote, We are thrilled to further the longstanding and trusted partnership WWE has with NBCUniversal. Peacock is an innovative platform that will enable us to showcase our most significant events, including WrestleMania, and provide the extraordinary entertainment our fans have come to expect with a combination of premium WWE content, live sports, news, films, and television programs. End quote. The press release notes that Peacock will launch W Network, on March 18th. March 18th. That is a Thursday, which is a few days before the first pay-per-view event that will be streamed on Peacock, which will be Sunday, March 21st. WWE Fastlane. I would uh, note the language, but not read too much into it. Uh, It says, quote, Peacock will launch W Network on March 18th, beginning the rollout, the rollout of more than 17,000 hours of new original and library, W Network programming on demand and on a 24-7 channel so still a linear stream that currently exists uh, on the w network will be a part of the peacock premium uh, version of of access to wb content i know everybody wants to know if everything that is currently on the w network for us subscribers is going to appear and be accessible and as accessible when all that wb content joins the peacock premium package i don't know But I would guess so. Uh, The press release also notes that starting in 2022, there will be one signature documentary annually. The companies will share details on managing customer accounts closer to the Peacock launch in March. The W network, including all pay-per-views, will be available on Peacock Premium for $4.99 a month. A $5 savings versus what uh, subscribers in the U.S. are currently paying or you can subscribe to Peacock Premium Plus without ads and an ad-free experience for only 9.99. Basically, it sounds like your account, if you are a current US W Network subscriber, your account will be migrated to become a Peacock Premium subscriber. Not clear if you are going to be migrated by default to the 4.99 tier or to the 9.99 tier. But basically, if you are a US W Network subscriber, you will become a Peacock Premium subscriber, you'll get access to everything that is on Peacock Premium in addition to the WWE Network, which will be a part of Peacock Premium. So that is press release one, but then there's more another press release put out at about exactly the same time by WWE. This one from WWE alone and not uh, in conjunction with NBC Universal. This one on Monday morning as well, coming from Stanford, Connecticut. WWE Today announced Expectations, for its 2020 financial results and outlined guidance for 2021. Keep in mind, WWE has not given financial guidance at any time during the pandemic, since it withdrew its guidance all oh, way back in March of 2020. Uh, the announcements were made in conjunction with the communication of a new agreement with Peacock, which will become the sole streaming distributor in the U S of WWE's first run premium content. Throughout the year 2020, WWE managed a challenging environment, particularly ...for producers of live content. WWE never went off the air. Because of that, combined with the implementation of extensive short-term cost reductions... ...we laid some people off, in other words, and furloughed them, and and produced some TV and the PC for a while. But anyway, COVID-19 had an estimated net neutral impact on WWE's 2020 adjusted OEBDA, our favorite profit metric. Accordingly, the company estimates its full year 2020... Adjusted EBITDA, which again is an unaudited non-GAAP measure of profit, is to be approximately $286 million, which would be a record up nearly 60% from the prior year. A reconciliation is at the end of this. Management expects restrictions related to the spread of COVID-19, particularly related to the cancellation, postponement, and reduced capacity of ticketed live events to continue at least through the first half of 2021. That's this year. Additionally, management anticipates a significant year-over-year increase in WWE's expense space due to the full return of employees from furlough and continued higher expenses associated with the production of its weekly raw and SmackDown television content at the WWE Thunderdome from its stadium residence at Tropicana field. Let's pause there. WWE is expecting, uh, no ticketed or reduced capacity live events for some time to come. That makes sense. That's what everyone would think. Uh, But an increased expense base, uh, because employees are coming back, but also increased expense base, I don't know relative to what, but an increased expense base because of production of Ron SmackDown uh, with the Thunderdome set in Tampa. So that's interesting, obviously there's no numbers being stated there, Uh, certainly the Thunderdome is more expensive than the PC production setup, which WWE was doing from March through August, but... Is the Thunderdome more expensive than it would cost WWE to travel from arena to arena to produce television that way? I I don't know. But let's read on. Actually, before we do that, remember in Q3, which was the previous earnings report, WWE benefited from a lot of production incentives from from states. I believe Connecticut was the largest one. Uh, So WWE's expenses, a, a, a quick reading, which is what most people gave of this if they're even aware of this issue W's uh, production expenses were lower than I predicted which led a lot of people to conclude that the Thunderdome was not as expensive as some me what was uh predicting but that lower expense was because of production incentives which were to the tune of about 18 million dollars uh, those production incentives seem to be something that's just annual I don't thoroughly understand it obviously but it's something that happens annually in Q3 I came to learn recently so that's not something that's going to happen for WWE in the recently ended Q4 and it's not something that's going to happen for WWE in Q1 or Q2 of this year so this complicates the story about how expensive is the Thunderdome for WWE Okay, and we've got record, record profits. It sounds like adjusted EBITDA is a weird profit metric. Let's not take it too seriously, but $286 million, up nearly 60% from the prior year. Yeah, that's, adjusted EBITDA is a weird profit metric, but um, the company does disclose regular old operating income, the good old-fashioned generally accepted accounting principle of operating income for 2020, the recently completed year of 2020, $209 million. So that is a substantial Profit record. Uh, we'll get net income on Thursday as well, and then we'll have you know everything will be taken out of, including the taxes, and we'll be able to definitively say I have little doubt that W will have its most profitable year ever by a quite wide margin. So that's the story with the recently ended year of 2020, but the current new year of 2021. The press release reads on the company estimates it can achieve 2021 adjusted OIBDA of $270 million to $305 million in rev- as revenue growth, driven by the impact of the Peacock transaction, the gradual ramp-up of ticketed live events, including large-scale international events, Saudi <coughs> Arabia, and the escalation of core content rights fees is offset by the increase in personnel and production expenses. So W saying there, adjusted OEBDA, by the way, O-Ibda, since I haven't said it this episode. OEDA stands for Operating Income, which is what we talked about earlier. Operating income before depreciation and amortization. The adjusted part is just uh, things like stock compensation um, <clears throat> and a few other things that WWE kind of arbitrarily decides to exclude when it uh, talks about this number. Which is, is which is a, a metric that they like to use because they get to exclude things that they see as non-recurring or not comparable in a year over year, or you know, in a in a comparable basis, but. The point is, they're projecting 270 to 305 million. Keep in mind, they just said that their, their number for 2020 is 286 million. So the, the 2020 number is right in the middle of this range that they're projecting for 2021. In other words, they're projecting a, a year that is no more profitable, but no less profitable than 2020. So uh, they also state management, I'm reading from the press release again, management estimates that the stated 2021 adjusted guidance range would be 15 to 20% higher without the ongoing impact of COVID-19, which includes the loss of ticket and merchandise sales at live events and the increased investment in production to further fan engagement. Estimates of future performance beyond 2021 will be impacted by the return of these businesses and various other factors. In other words, we can't say too much yet until we get some more clarity about when, when the pandemic is really going to be out of the way. Um, The final sentence here, WWE is unable to provide a reconciliation of full-year 2021 guidance to gap measures, as at this time, WWE cannot accurately determine all the adjustments that would be required. So, in other words, they're saying we don't want to give you a a 2021 operating income estimate because of the other factors that we don't feel comfortable uh, uh, predicting or projecting or guiding. So, again, major takeaway from this this year 2021 w is projecting will be just as profitable as 2020 but not substantially more profitable not hugely more profitable they're giving a range again of 270 to 305 million uh for 2021 and 2020 was is they are reporting definitively they're going to going to report on thursday 286 million in adjusted ebitda uh that's kind of surprising given that tv rights fees Uh, at least in the U.S. deal, which is by far the biggest deal, should be substantially higher due to guaranteed-escalating TV rights fees. Uh, All those TV rights fees in 2021 should be higher than they were in 2020. Nonetheless, apparently, the expenses are so high that it's going to uh, offset any incremental profitability. And then from there, that was just what I woke up to on Monday. And before I knew it, I was talking with John Pollock from Post Wrestling, And a a number of mainstream articles, of course, came out covering the story. We've got a number of quotes, mostly from Nick Khan and Rick Cordella. Nick Khan, of course, of WWE and Rick Cordella of NBC Universal. Nick Khan spoke with Variety on Monday. He said, quote, we feel great about the financials. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done the deal. To have WrestleMania in particular, which is our Super Bowl, available for no extra cost on Peacock is quite different from other models you're seeing, end quote. Maybe he's thinking of uh, the ESPN Plus deal with UFC, which puts the UFC pay-per-views as an upcharge for ESPN Plus subscribers. I don't know. Would it have been a better strategy to keep WrestleMania off of the monthly fee and make that a standalone upcharge, traditional-style pay-per-view charge? Uh, More on that in a minute. Rick Cordell in the same article with Variety on Monday. Again, Rick Cordella is an EVP for NBC Universal and the Chief Revenue Officer for Peacock. He says to Variety, quote, We have a lot of data that shows live events in sports drives a lot of user acquisition. The bet is that there exists a much larger total available audience for WWE programming than is on the WWE Network today. End quote. Wrestling fans and people on Twitter would tell you that is not the case. Um... Maybe we'll, we'll get into it as well uh, in this article from Variety. There's a graph here uh, showing the results of a survey uh, from YouGov that says, as of November, 10% of the people in the U.S., of the adults in the U.S. who were surveyed, 10% of them had used the ad-supported version of Peacock. Again, 10%, 1 in 10 people have used the ad-supported version of Peacock. 2% had used the pay tier. As of Comcast's latest uh, financial reporting, which I believe was on Thursday, Uh, 33 million signups, whatever that means. It's not really clear. A lot of people uh, have access to Peacock Premium because they happen to be uh, Comcast customers or Cox customers. They did not opt in. And this survey, I guess, tries to get at, well, how many people are really using it? Well, if... uh, if these two two metrics uh, between ad-supported and paid are not redundant, I guess they wouldn't be. It's about 12% of U.S. adults have used it. At least once, I guess. <laughs> and it doesn't say whether that's this month. It does show uh, three months trailing November, and uh, ad-supported uh, activity appears to be on the rise. Paid tier looks flat. So in the, in the Sports Business Journal, Nick Khan says to John O'Rand, quote, It means that uh, the deal. It means that we're going. We're done doing deals in the U.S. for a while. This is a multi-year, long-term deal. It certainly goes past the expiration of the Raw and SmackDown deals. NBC's reach will help expand the WWE audience. End quote. And so, this deal, if it's a five-year deal that begins around March of 2021 and is a five-year deal, that means it would end around the March of 2026, which is a couple years after the current Raw and SmackDown deals expire. Cordella also speaking to a sports business journal saying, quote, WrestleMania is a cultural phenomenon in this country. It is an enormous event to have that event on Peacock is going to be a cornerstone to our service. Sportico in its article notes that when CAA agent Nick Khan took over as WWE president and chief revenue officer in August, Cordella sent him a congratulatory text adding, quote, we need to talk. So clearly, uh, this is a, a property. These media rights are something that NBC Universal, or at least Mr. Cordella, has been interested in uh, from the moment and probably before uh, Nick Khan took the job with WWE. Cordella tells Sportico that, quote, we think we can really expand the audience, unquote. Khan tells Sportico, uh, NBC is the best fit for us. They understand our product and our audience and have the SVOD, that's subscription video on demand platform, to support it and drive eyeballs that way, end quote. And Cordell chimes in again in the article, a key differentiator for us has been live events. Uh, NBCU CEO Jeff Shell talks to The Wrap on uh, actually the Thursday before the deal was announced, as this deal appears to have been done for a few days in advance of when it was announced. Uh, Shell again, the NBC Universal CEO, says, quote, WWE is kind of a perfect property for us. The streaming deal includes thousands of hours of programming that were behind a paywall that we'll now put up as a free service on Peacock, which will not only enhance the brand of WWE, but we can monetize through advertising. We get the events that were behind the paywall that used to be pay-per-view to drive our $4.99 premium version of Peacock. Uh, the wrap adds that plus uh, WWE or Peacock, W and Peacock can now cross-promote W Network on Peacock with all the WB and adjacent programming on USA. Shell said, as well as sell ad time across platforms to media buyers. Um, that that quote from uh, NBC Universal CEO Jeff Shell is kind of confusing, I guess, uh, or maybe I'm just not understanding the the degree to which W content is going to actually be free on the free area of Peacock. When I've navigated around the Peacock app. Most of the stuff on there is behind the paywall, and some of it, very little of it, is uh, available without a subscription. Nonetheless, everybody involved here seems to think that WWE is going to really benefit from the reach, and more people are going to watch uh, WWE programming, or at least the WWE network programming, than ever. Uh, A Bloomberg article comes out on Friday, this past Friday, that quotes Nick Khan, who says, quote, the challenge was growing it from where we are. It's tough to get people who aren't fans to sample a product when you have to subscribe to see it in a world where all the media behemoths have pivoted to streaming. I think history will show it was a brilliant move to partner with them, them being Peacock end quote. So that, that quote kind of flies in the face of reality that, uh, you know, w has got seven hours of weekly live first run content on uh, major television networks, USA network and Fox. And that, uh, only really the monthly pay-per-views were, were the thing that's behind the paywall with WWE. Plus, there were uh, plenty of free trial opportunities, although that did, they did just close the free trial uh, within the last several months when they added the free tier. Nonetheless, where were WWE Network subscribers last we knew? And we'll get an update on Thursday about the details as of the end of Q4. We'll get an average number of subscribers on a daily basis throughout Q4, that's October, November, and December. And I expect we'll get a number, as we usually do, always do. Uh, We'll get a number as of December 31st, the very end of Q4. The average number of subs throughout Q3 in the U.S., and let's talk about the U.S. because that's what NBCU is getting here. It's getting the U.S. subscriber base. It's not getting the international subscribers. The U.S. subscriber count, on average, throughout Q3, which was the months from um, July through September... 1.172 million subs. And it's been around there for for much of the last two or three years. Of course, it peaks in the WrestleMania quarter, which is usually Q2. But growth, particularly in the U.S., where that's the first region where this network launched. And it has a pretty saturated broadband market. uh, It's been pretty, pretty stable and not growing for a while here. And, of course, throughout the, the year of 2019, on a year-over-year basis, uh, for three or four quarters in a row, the WWE Network paid subscribers in the U.S. and overall uh, declined. So when it comes to growing the revenue associated with the U.S. subscribers, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, before they left the company exactly one year ago, they were planning on doing a premium tier, charging a, a higher price point for the network, and probably maintaining the standard tier. Uh, it's not clear. There weren't uh, real concrete plans made public exactly what the price point was going to be and what the premium tier would have included. But this deal with, with NBC Universal looks to be probably a better decision. Uh, WB, I estimated, I did a graph here and estimated the, the amount of money, the amount of revenue W was generating from U.S. subscribers was between the years of 2016 and 2020, averaging between well ranging between $127 million and $144. $144 million was 2018 and for the last two years around $135 million and $136 million. Um, I estimate that in year one of this deal, WWE will be paid by NBC Universal about $162 million. Uh, Brandon Ross from LightShed estimated a higher number, somewhere around $180 million in year one. Nonetheless, everybody's, I think, assuming that this is going to be a $200 million per year deal. On average, that's going to escalate over time, with the middle year being about $200 million and the years before being somewhat lower, the years after being somewhat higher. And I think even a really optimistic scenario for a premium tier would have given WWE around $200 million per year. So this gives them more than $200 per year in the back end of the contract and gives it to them on a guaranteed basis. And if I'm more realistic, I think a premium tier strategy probably would have, even if you add in the uh, some sort of increase in ad revenue because of a free tier, I think it's hard to get to a value that's in the range of this deal. And this deal is, is business to business. Uh, it is not consumer-based, which means it is not as... Uh, prone to volatility. It is a contractual guaranteed set of fees over five years. So on Monday, when the stock market opened uh, with this news already out there, the stock market, not showing that it was terribly impressed, at least on Monday, the the market closed with WB stock down, I think about 1%. But on the following day, by then we had a number of stock analysts who had raised their price target on WB shares benchmark Rosenblatt, Guggenheim, uh, a day later, MKM Partners, all raising their stock target. Guggenheim going as high as seventy-two dollars. Uh, w shares, right now. If I check right now, W shares. as is the market close on Friday, fifty-six dollars and thirty-three cents. So the stock did not perform that well on Monday, but on Tuesday it climbed down from fifty-three up to about fifty-five or fifty-six, and and there it's been hovering. Ever since. Doty market cap slowly climbing over $4 billion. And yes, that does mean Vince, Vince is and has been a billionaire. Vince owns one third of those shares, roughly. Uh, would it be a good idea to put WrestleMania as a standalone pay per view? Maybe with a discount for Peacock subscribers, maybe not. The question centers around obviously, how many pay per view buys would it attract? What is the price point? What are the barriers of friction between consumer and purchase? But what is the demand like? Well, if we look back to 2013 was the last time that WrestleMania was exclusively on pay-per-view. In the U.S., uh, North American buys, which includes Canadian buys and U.S. buys. Uh, but in the U.S., uh, in, or rather North America, WrestleMania in 2013 did 662000 buys uh in, in total yes wrestling has been doing had been doing around a million um year before that 715,000 north american buys year before that 679 did i say million thousand buys 495,000 buys in 2010 in 2009 2009, 2009 605,000 buys so anyway we're ranging so for some reason 2010 was down substantially to only about 500,000 but in 2012 going as high as 715,000 buys. Yes, that was uh, the first Rock and Cena match. Now, what I always want to do is take Google Web Search and say, can I, can I tie Google Web Search volume to pay-per-view sales volume? And it looks like I can with some re- reliability. Within, within 8% the the Google Web Search volume, just for U.S.-based searches related to WWE in the week of WrestleMania, Across those five years of 2009 to 2013, I get a, an R-squared that's pretty strong at 0.87 R-squared. So as far as, if you're not familiar with R-squared, it's kind of a predictability rating with 1.0 being the highest possible value. So basically I, we get kind of a, an 8.7 out of, out of 10 for predictability in terms of a relationship between this web search volume for WWE in the U.S., and North American pay-per-view buys for WrestleMania. Now, can we extend that out into the future past a point where the WWE Network is is in the world and try to get an answer about, try to get some insight at least, about how, how much demand was there for WrestleMania in these last seven years since the WWE Network has been streaming WrestleMania? And what I find is the... And the predictions that I get in 2014 might be skewed by a lot of searching happening for the W network with people trying to learn how to subscribe or what it is. But in 2014, we do get a prediction of uh, North American buys of 1 million flat. <laughs> um, but from there, it goes down 840,000 buys in 2015, in 2016, 880,000 buys. So again, this is all higher than than the first Roxena WrestleMania, 813,000 in 2017. And it starts to steadily decline from there. 2018, 726,000 is the prediction. 2019, the last non-COVID WrestleMania, 626,000 buys. And finally, the two-day WrestleMania of 2020, 455,000 buys would, would be the prediction. So again, within the last... Several years we get somewhere in between 500,000 buys and 800,000 buys. Maybe that low range is too low, but they do seem to be declining over time. But let's say, I don't know, 700,000 buys, let's say the price point is $60. 700,000 times $60 would give us a total revenue of $42 million. Now, the question is if we're going to Take a pay-per-view, the biggest one, out of the, out of the monthly fee package. Uh, how many subscribers does that cost us on an average annual basis? And that, that is the big question uh, that I think there's a lot of uncertainty about. Does that put U.S. subscribers under a million? Does it put U.S. subscribers under 800,000? If it does, we're cutting it really close to it being worth it to put WrestleMania on the side as a pay per view, because then we start to get to a total revenue number of somewhere around 140 million. And again, 1.1 million US subs at $10 a month generates $132 million. So maybe WrestleMania on its own on a pay per view is more uh, profitable or ge- de- de- definitely generates more revenue. Um, but it's not so obvious that it's, you know, it's an obvious way to make more money and more revenue it would be a risk plus you're you're facing the risk of customer upheaval and putting the genie back in the bottle as i've said of you know you've taught everybody that the cost of this product is ten dollars and you're going to put the genie back in the bottle and say it's back to being you know the, the 6x cost that it once was nonetheless let's look back now on the uh the strategy of the network did it pay off we had seven years of this thing, and, and really the network is kind of going to continue to exist. Uh, there's international markets all over the world that will continue to get the direct-to-consumer kind of service. Uh, of course, uh, you know, in Canada and in India and in China, there has already been a similar hosting of the network by, by media partners in those regions. But clearly this strategy has been redirected and WWE was originally when this thing came out predicting 3 to 4 million worldwide subscribers at best got to 1.8 million, half of less than half of that. I've said in the past I think Barris and Wilson overestimated the degree to which WWE could be strategized like a big tech company and could be, you could treat WWE content like it's scripted content, like the kind that is offered by Netflix, rather than the live content like the kind that is, I guess, offered by ESPN or UFC. Uh, it's, it's neither it's neither of those things, but it lies somewhere in the middle. Wrestling overlapping this space between scripted drama and live sports. In fact, I did see someone ask this week, uh, in response to, to the WWE deal and with Peacock, is WWE scripted drama or sports? And the answer is yes. And if you look back on the network... One of the most overlooked facts here, and uh, I haven't listened to much much other uh, t- discussion or, or analysis of, of this whole story, but a, an analysis or assessment, punditry about whether or not the W Network was a success needs to include uh, the note that the W Network caused a negative impact to WWE's TV rights negotiations in 2014. I don't know if anybody is aware of that or talks about that, but that happened. Vince McMahon admitted to it after the fact. NBCU and Comcast were not comfortable with WWE getting into the streaming business, which they did on, you know, in February 2014 at the exact time that WWE and NBC Universal were working on finishing their latest TV deal. As a result, WWE did get an increase in their TV rights deal, but the market was expecting a 2x or 3x increase. WWE only got a 1.7x increase. The stock tumbled as a result. So you talk about all the uh, all the cannibalization that WWE did, all the self-disruption that it did with pay-per-view. Certainly it did that. It cannibalized pay-per-view, most obviously. It cannibalized uh, uh, DVD sales, home video sales, obviously. It cannibalized WWE's digital pay-per-view business. But it also cannibalized unknown millions of dollars in TV rights value in the U.S. for WWE. And that fact has little to do with the, the, the nuts and bolts strategy behind the network and more just to do with the timing. If WWE just launched the network a year later, they wouldn't have faced uh, that much damage to their TV rights deal, I think. They'd have gotten a better deal, a 2X or a 3X deal. And all that could be, could be finished and that contract signed and then they could have launched the network maybe a year later or even eight months later. You know, other stories you can apply to this W network story is that, well, there's some benefit here in that... You taught the market, wrestling fans, that pay-per-views are worth $10, and maybe that did hurt other wrestling companies' ability to charge a $50 or a $60 price point for pay-per-views. Maybe that lowered the pay-per-view sales of companies like Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling. Maybe AEW's pay-per-view sales would be higher today if the market had not essentially been taught that a pay-per-view event from the biggest company in the world is worth nothing more than uh, a, a major item within a ten dollars subscription fee. Other positive stories related to the network. WB got into the streaming business, which was very exciting to Wall Street and very exciting to to investors. This was before I got as deeply involved in this stuff as I am now, but I understand Mookie was was inundated with uh, people wanting to talk to him and help help them understand WB's business and how much demand there was for the W Network. It makes WWE look like this forward-looking, ambitious company, and maybe that helps the perception and the price of the company. Nonetheless, this is a company that is driven by, more than anything else, uh, the TV rights for its core content, which are about to become the majority of the revenues for WWE, uh, regardless of this deal with Peacock. Now, other interesting questions asked this week: Is it worth it? Isn't, isn't NBC Universal overpaying for WB content? Why would they pay 200 million dollars a year for a, a product that was only attracting 135 million dollars a year? Why would NBC Universal get involved in this? And if selling content is, is such a great idea for a company as it apparently is? For WWE, why doesn't NBC NBCUniversal uh, not sell its content rather than trying to go direct to consumer with it? Why does NBC Universal not just continue to sell its content uh, to other players like Netflix and whoever else wants to take the risk of, of getting involved with uh, the streaming business? And here we begin to get over the horizon of where the knowledge in my brain is available. Is it a better investment to, to be in a content studio, as Lightshed, Lightshed's Brandon Ross says, or is it a better idea to try to sell your own content directly uh, to an audience? And by the way, the big play for Comcast and for NBC Universal is they're deeply invested in the cable TV business, which is declining, as everyone knows, and they're looking for something to replace it with. So anyway, Lightshed, uh, which I, th- I think this is written by Brandon Ross, but it's under the byline of, of Brandon Ross and Rich Greenfield and Mark Kelly, Uh, This is at Uh, lightshedtmt.com. Lightshed is one among the many firms that cover WWE stock and cover a lot of other media companies as well. And on this issue, uh, Lightshed writes, At least in the near term, WWE, the WWE Peacock deal, should be beneficial for both sides. For WWE, there are only two things that really mattered in any network transaction. The size of a deal, or deals, and the promotional support of its partner slash the visibility of its content. So that's the the revenue that's involved with the deal, where we're going to pay you, and the reach platform, the power of your platform to reach lots of people. Uh, I'm interjecting here. He goes goes on. Uh, In terms of size, the Peacock agreement is directly in line with our expectations. It is clearly accretive. That just means it's worth more money than the situation they had before. We estimate that in year one, NBC will pay about $185 million in licensing fees versus the $135 million in domestic subscriber revenue that we had estimated. That $55 million upside, the difference, should have some offsets, though. WWE will probably take a hit on advertising and sponsorship revenue. WWE ran a lot of ads through the network that they're probably going to lose the revenue on with Peacock taking anything sold directly on the network and at least a piece of sponsorship for pay-per-view events so that you know, WrestleMania has a sponsor Snickers, the official sponsor of WrestleMania, and, and NWB, in fact, just announced uh, some sort of extension of its partnership with Cricket Wireless, which is uh, going to be involved with sponsoring some of the major pay-per-view events. So Lightshed suggesting here that NBC Universal will take a cut of that sponsorship money. Uh, it goes on. In fact, one long-term story for WWE was unlocking a sponsorship opportunity more in line with other sports. However, we believe Peacock may absorb much of that upside. Now, on the cost side, WWE will save on variable costs like credit card fees, platform fees, CDNs. What's a CDN? A content delivery network. Maybe there we're talking about uh, Tech, the IT backbone. Of the network however it will be harder to get rid of fixed costs content costs are likely going up as nbc is expecting additional broad appeal content other fixed costs aren't going anywhere until international deals are resolved the network content is already licensed in some larger markets like india and canada but it'll likely take a long time for the rest of the world to find a home in terms of getting the content watched Peacock is a decent outcome compared to other services. It is clearly still in its infancy. The 26 million activations number is a gross mischaracterization of its engaged base. However, it will still bring more exposure to its most premium content than before. Comcast and Cox subs already have access, and more casual WWE fans are likely to subscribe as part of a bundle, with a price point that is half of what WWE was charging directly. NBC will also market WWE one of the benefits of Peacock's relatively limited content as they need to promote what they do have and that will be easy since they can cross promote inside other wb content again so that that's it that, that's just a couple paragraphs again from an article that i think is pretty smart from lightshed again that's at lightshedtmt.com uh, there's a free login required f- to read that so that's all i have on the monologue side and uh, we will go now to your questions questions about the new major media rights deal between WWE and its business partner NBC Universal Peacock. Here to help me take your questions and answer your questions is a correspondent who works here at Wrestleomics headquarters. Kate Carney is here to read your questions and I'm here to answer
0: them. Hello. For this for this first round I will be playing the role of Patreon subscribers.
2: So we're going to take questions from patrons first. We'll see how long it takes me to answer those. And then there's a tweet that requested questions also. And we will do what we can to answer those as well with TV time remaining. <laughs>
0: okay. Our first question mm-hmm. Frisco writes, mm-hmm. Do you believe any countries? Have similar platforms where it would be logical for WWE to seek a similar rights arrangement, notably the United Kingdom or Japan?
2: Uh yeah. So I think what's gonna happen, what has already happened, is in Canada, Rogers is basically already providing this through cable. Uh it is already carrying the W network through cable, which I think think is the only, is the only way to get the W network in Canada is through your cable system with
0: browsers. Have managers. you experienced Canadian WWE network?
2: No, but I've talked to John Pollock uh, about it on on Monday and I think he affirmed that 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 uh, that's what, what's happening in Canada. Um it,
0: it it I like it a lot.
2: Have you experienced it?
0: I have. Oh. You can just turn on the network and it just plays. mm mm-hmm. Mhm just like twenty four hour a twenty four hour wrestling TV station, so there's no like
2: well there's oh, a linear don't know
0: which thing to watch you just turn on the linear network
2: well there's the, th- that's the way it is on the network digitally too
0: it does not feel the same to my elder millennial soul
2: okay so that's Canada in mm-hmm. India recently Sony Live has started to carry I think that might be a digital platform It started to carry the W network in India. PPTV is carrying the W network in China. And there's one other one. I think OSN, I'm pretty sure OSN in Middle East, North Africa, when OSN uh, was still doing sports until, uh, early last year was carrying the W network in that region. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the, as Frisco points out, the, the big one that's, uh, left out still is the United Kingdom. Um, so I, I don't I don't know what will happen if uh W was still dealing with Sky. I think Sky is a, is a television provider. I don't know if cable is the word that they use to talk about it in the UK, but uh they're not dealing with Sky anymore. They're dealing with BT Sport. So I, I don't know what what really makes sense to do in Canada as far as uh, selling the media rights or in Canada in the UK as far as selling the media rights uh for the W network in the UK. But I would expect more of these to happen, more of these media deals selling the rights to the W network to happen in other regions. It's just a, it's really just a question of, you know, the same things that uh, were the important questions that, um, that were related to this deal is uh, what's the revenue, what's the reach like for the platform. And there might be other things too, but mainly those things.
0: Thank you, Frisco. Our next question, Chris writes, I'm not sure I've seen any kind of per customer price analysis for this deal. From the Peacock side, I mean, on the surface, it looks like a bad deal for Peacock. Even factoring in some kind of loss leader aspect, is that something you could dig into? For example, if AAV equals approximately $200 how many paid customers do they need to attract on top of those that they inherit from the WWE to not take a loss? Do ad rates affect this equation? Does the fact that approximately 30% of current Peacock customers don't pay as it is included in their cable deal? Feel free to ask clarifying questions if some part of this is useful but unclear.
2: So $120 million AAV is what NBC Universal is paying the W network, is paying W E, And they're going to get for that... Apparently, about 1.1 million users who will be migrated. I think it's probably going to be substantially less than 1.1 million because you got to figure a lot of those U.S. customers are going to are are probably already captured because they are current Comcast or Cox Communications customers, and and because of that, they are already being given access to Peacock Premium as part of their cable uh, subscription plan. Um how many that is I, I i don't think this is maybe the right way to think about it, but we could begin to say this that maybe uh n b c universal needs to capture hundred and fifty percent of one point one million, which is what let's see one and a half times this oh jeez um this this is riveting audio, so they i guess they need if and this is if they're all paying nine ninety nine right I think it is, yeah. This, this would be if they were all paying nine ninety nine. dollars Now, certainly some of those customers are going to downgrade to four ninety nine. dollars But we could say at a minimum, to cover $200 million, Peacock needs to capture about one, one and two-thirds of a million U.S. customers. Um, I, I don't know. D- does this deal make sense? I don't feel like I, I know enough to, to give a really great opinion about it, other than I know that subjectively for NBC Universal, or I believe that their way to, of justifying this is that they're in a declining industry, probably still a hugely profitable industry, but a declining industry because of the decline in cable subscriptions that are affecting Comcast and affecting NBC Universal. Um So they feel that they have to invest a lot of money in, in a streaming service, which is where the consumer behavior and watch time is going. So um, there's ad revenue as well. As this is Chris, right? This is, as Chris mentioned, um, NBC Universal probably has a greater ability to to monetize ad revenue than we did. But uh, I, I have no idea how to how to start to crunch numbers and account for that. But um, I guess the question about whether or not it's worth it in the end, if 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 Peacock ends up not being a success and not and uh, losing so much money that Comcast gives up on it, I guess we would be able to say then that it didn't really work out or w wasn't you know uh wasn't a part of a winning plan but i don't know w will be such a small part of it and comcast is probably not going to give up on this even if it goes really poorly for the next few years so it's all kind of a of an, an investment and whether or not it pays off is going to take a long time and uh I'm really curious to know what kind of data we're really going to get to be able to measure WB's p- contribution to the value of Peacock. For the last seven years, every quarter, we've gotten an update on what the latest W Network subscriber numbers are. I don't know how the, that we could even continue to get those numbers going forward. We'll certainly get them uh, this Thursday, which will be an update as of the end of December. Um, but next quarter which would be the end of march which would be reported probably sometime in may all those us uh, users will have migrated over and i struggle to see how how to distinguish w network subscribers from peacock premium subscribers at this point because there is no if if in fact if i were a fresh brand new customer who decided i want to watch uh, wrestlemania this this year and i'm not interested really at all in any of the other content I'm just going to sign up as a Peacock customer, right? Unless there's some way to identify that, you know, this is what I'm here for. One thing that NBC Universal will have access to is the viewership uh, activity on their streaming service. I don't know that they're going to report that. I would be surprised, I, and I don't know that they're going to give WWE, you know, the okay to to report that for themselves. It's it's that all seems really hard to predict for me. And uh, on the other hand, if I'm WWE, I want to be able to update investors on some sort of key metric about how much people are, are consuming. You know, we have TV viewership numbers to look at. We have those publicly every uh, day through showbiz daily. WWE updates every quarter an average TV rating for Raw and SmackDown. So they're sort of reporting that about that, about the core content about the W network content. They report uh, information about their subscriber numbers. You know, one would think you, you would want to be able to report to your investors, some sort of key metric around this major source of revenue for you, which is $200 million uh, for a, a company that's generating about a billion. That's about a fifth of your revenue, right? So I'm curious, and I don't know the answer to, uh, and I'm curious to know how W is going to disclose and, uh, allow investors to understand to what extent this sale is a success.
0: I mean, I would think that without tipping their hand, NBC universal would still be able to give WWE the okay to come out and say things like WrestleMania was streamed on X number of TVs. Yeah. Right. Like I don't think that we'll get a, a contrastable number or a number as a percentage of total viewers but just a this number of people watched this show might still be a reportable metric without getting too in the woods about who's watching what when.
2: It would be something that I, I, I guess I could see is that, all right, in the last quarter on Peacock, this many hours were watched on the entire service. And then if, if they're reporting that regularly every quarter, you, you can start to compare that over time and see whether or not that's growing. Um, that may be something that happens. I guess now that you know I explore this <laughs> this trying to answer this question, one question that I would have on Thursday, uh, if I were a stock analyst in the Q and a is how are you going to to disclose to us uh, what the activity is around the network? Is there going to be something like uh, a, a measurement of how many hours are being viewed of W content on peacock uh, or is there some other way that you can let us know how many subscribers? content itself is actually uh, attracting to peacock i doubt the latter and the former seems more uh more capturable more measurable okay next
0: okay our next question is from Corey, who writes do you think this leads to an sorry do you think this leads to an eventual sale to nbc universal or comcast what if any effect do you think the Peacock deal will have on SmackDown on Fox when it comes to renewal times?
2: Yeah, these are good questions. Um, I I talked to I'm gonna name drop I talked to Tony Maglio from the rap about this uh, for an article this week. Um, I think. Uh, hmm. I I have said many times within the last seven days that I think Vince will not sell in his lifetime. Um, maybe he will. I'm starting to feel softer about about that answer. Um i think far more than any other company n b c universal is is the best suited and the best matched to to purchase w b disney's not going to do it um Fox isn't going to do it i don't i don't know who who the other potential suitors would be um n b c universal is already paying hundreds of millions of dollars every year for raw now they're paying additional hundreds of million dollars every year for the w network content um it would they may be in in, in some ways uh, more able to to monetize WWE through advertising revenue and things like that. Um, I think it's I feel like it's more possible now than I did a few days ago. I, as as far as it happening within Vince's lifetime, I think it's quite possible to happen after Vince's lifetime. Um, I think NBC Universal would probably buy it. I mean, I I don't know that much about mergers and acquisitions, but I would think NBC Universal and not Comcast would buy it. Um... For, for for those listening at home, uh, those playing along at home, Comcast owns NBC Universal. NBC Universal owns or manages the USA Network, Sci-Fi, Bravo, E Network, Universal Studios, and probably a lot of other stuff.
0: It is a subsidiary.
2: Subsidiary. Of Comcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, second question there about Fox. Can you read that part again, please?
0: What if any effect do you think the Peacock deal will have with? uh, we'll have on SmackDown on Fox when it comes to renewal time.
2: It seems like it makes it, it more likely that Fox will be sold to NBC universal in some capacity. doesn't, it? Um, W likes being like having SmackDown on Fox because Fox is a huge reach network. I guess if, if I'm wi I would want to say to NBC universal, all right, you, maybe are you interested in SmackDown? Well, can we put it on NBC? What, what's, what's NBC got on Friday night right now? I don't know the answer to that without looking it up. Um, SmackDown's doing pretty well in viewership right now. It's uh, it seems to be increasing slightly in viewership. I think uh Friday night... I I probably have just said it earlier in this episode. I think Friday night did about 2.2 2 million or or somewhere between 2.1 and 2.2 2 million. Uh the creative on SmackDown seems better at the moment. Um, <clears throat> NBC Universal and Fox are are competitors in in the broadcast TV space and in in the uh the cable TV space. So if uh NBC Universal is kind of related to, to the the first part of the question. If NBC Universal is going to acquire WWE, you'd think they would not want to acquire a property that causes them to pay one of their competitors. Um, so it does seem possible to me that something that will be discussed and who knows whether we'll ever be able to confirm or deny this unless a deal comes out that yes, they are purchasing the company. I would think something that's on the table in twenty in the negotiations that will start Next year, 2022, and that will be completed 2023. Uh, something that will be on the table, I think, is uh, can we just buy this company? Because the the, uh, the the raw deal and the SmackDown deal expire at the same time. So I think, yeah, you, if you're NBC Universal and you want to acquire WWE, you the the timing lines up right. Because if if you don't want to deal with Fox, the timing lines up, and you can just buy the whole company. Buy the rights to Fox. You're doing or buy the rights to SmackDown. You're doing something with SmackDown, and you're obviously uh, retaining Raw and, and the uh, the network rights, which will that deal extends out into 2026. So
0: for SmackDown to be on NBC on Friday nights, it would likely have to bump Dateline. So I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Dateline is on. Is that a one hour program?
0: Uh, it's on NBC at nine o'clock. What's on at eight? The Blacklist. Which is one of their sort of flagship hour-long drama shows. Do you watch that? I have dabbled.
2: Yeah? Is it good? What is it about? Is it a drama series?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a crime. Crime, but like not police show. It's like an FBI crime show.
2: Um, Smackdown doesn't have to be on Friday night. Right. It's been on a number of nights over the years. It's been on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So, I don't know. Um, I would say, well, they could just throw it back on the USA Network again. But USA Network looks to be... Uh, absorbing all of these, you know, sports programs from, uh, from NBC Sports Network, which is folding at the end of this year. So, I, I don't know. It I wouldn't rule it out that, uh, SmackDown could be put on one of the other networks. I mean, I, I you don't want to take a step down past, uh, the, the profile of the USA Network either, though. Um, so I don't know. And SmackDown, at, at, as we sit here, is, is the most watched wrestling program in the United States, uh, consistently. So, I don't know if it makes sense to 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 put it on a platform that is substantially less powerful, like Sci Fi, which is where it was several years ago. So, and I don't know what else in the NBC Universal uh, family of networks that it would really fit on. Uh I just just went up through a list of the USA Networks, Sci Fi, E Entertainment, Bravo. I mean, these are all program. <laughs> these are all networks they that are
0: put it on Bravo.
2: These are all networks that are in a lot of homes, but do they really? fit the brand of, of, uh, of pro wrestling, of WWE. Um, yeah, I don't know. Next.
0: Uh, the next question is from Jonathan, mm-hmm. who writes, and this is long, have you heard any news on if WWE will continue to run the network back end or if they're passing that work over to Peacock? Since the network is remaining in other countries, logically it would seem that it would be business as usual in Stamford with the same amount of crew maintaining and uploading new and old content to the WWE Network. But now, just in the U.S., they will feed those videos to the Peacock servers instead of their own. However, they could hand over the job of web hosting the international version of the WWE Network to the Peacock team and just maintain a skeleton crew in Stanford that will do the bare-bones work of supplying the content.
2: Yeah, I think another question that's uh, that should come up on Thursday is what's what's the status with your relationship with endeavor because endeavor is the company uh, that that's running the back end for uh, for the w network um, w is still as Jonathan mentions uh, going to uh, have to provide uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of, of subscribers internationally uh, with with service so they're still going to have to do something I, I doubt that NBC universal is going to absorb uh, a, a lot of uh a lot of the expense and a lot of the uh the management of, of the network i would why because i think if that was the case that that would have been part of the press release and that because that would have been part of the agreement so i would imagine that things are largely staying the same and uh and uh it sounds like peacock Prime will probably essentially grab the w network through it through a feed and that's what we will navigate to through our peacock app is that the whole question Did I I address the whole thing? Okay.
0: Um, Our next questions are from Colin. Um, Colin writes several questions, so I'm going to let you answer them one at a time.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Hi, Brandon. I have so many questions. Hi, Colin. (laughs) I have so many questions about how this deal will look in the future, but I'll keep them pretty short and direct. One, odds that WWE does not re-up with Fox at the end of the SmackDown deal and goes back to an NBCU property.
2: It increases uh we, we kind of talked about that a minute ago i that is tough because i I don't know fox uh is probably comfortable. I know everybody's you know uh really cynical and critical the the wrestling audience and the wrestling uh fans and you know the people who listen to wrestling podcasts like this uh we're often very critical of the state of the ratings. I think the ratings are are okay, and I think um you think about how uh how little. Fox is, is actually paying to get two hours of first run, live, year round content. Um, you compare that to the, the expense of a scripted series, which would give you about a half a year of first run, probably a little less than a half a year of first run. Um, and it would be probably more expensive for a year than, than they're paying for, for SmackDown. Uh, as much as these deals are really big and as much as WWE's TV rights fees are multiplying, uh, wrestling is still kind of cheap programming. So uh, I think Fox would probably still be interested in, in keeping SmackDown. They're doing all right as well, it seems, in, in the viewership. A lot of the weeks, uh, not in total audience, but in the key demo, which is the only thing that matters. In the key demo, they're, they're the number one ranked broadcast primetime program on on Friday. So uh I would expect Fox to want to keep it. But uh, the fact that uh NBC Universal has absorbed the, the W network rights increases the chance that I think NBC Universal will uh buy up the whole company, which increases the likelihood that NBC NBC Universal uh would would take the SmackDown rights as well and do something with them rather than uh pay a, a rather than provide content to uh Fox. I think I said earlier that they would have to pay Fox, but that's obviously wrong anyway
0: uh Colin has a follow up so this is 1a odds that it might be the big bird and not cable given a 5 year deal on fox
2: we're talking about nbc the broadcast channel maybe i i know nothing about television so i would have to look at their lineup their primetime lineup uh for for nbc what else is on nbc these this days this is us this is us what else yeah we, we i would have to sit down and look uh can you pull up the uh, the nbc primetime lineup
0: what day of the week
2: all of them. Let's start with not Monday. Not um, Monday. Right, because that's Raw. Okay. Um, probably not Wednesday, unless you do want to, you know, put NXT somewhere else and then put SmackDown head-to-head with AEW or really crush them. I wouldn't rule that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Tuesday.
2: Let's look at Tuesday.
0: At 8 p.m., we have Ellen's Game of Games.
2: Have you heard of any of these TV shows? Not that one. Okay. Uh,
0: at 9 p.m., we have The Wall.
2: Ellen's Game of Game, like is Ellen DeGeneres?
0: It's got to be an Ellen DeGeneres game show. So it's
2: a game show. Yeah. That that doesn't sound like something that's...
0: Hard to move. Yeah. And at 10 p.m. we have The Weakest Link. Wednesdays, we have Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, This Is Us, and The Nurses.
2: Mm -hmm. Is uh, This Is Us always on Wednesday, but has it been on Wednesday? I watch it
0: on a streaming network Mm -hmm. (laughs) the next day. Right. I don't watch linear TV, I don't
2: know. You can pick it up on the antenna.
0: I could, but then I would have to know what time it's on and be on the couch at that time.
2: Right. You don't want to do that. That's not, that's not the way you want to consume scripted content. No. Because people... Live
0: content, yes. Scripted no. content, absolutely not. I'm busy. I have classes to go to. I have a job.
2: Why, why, is, why is it different for live content? For me, yeah,
0: there is something about the fact that live content often feels more time-sensitive. Mm -hmm. And has less of a narrative payoff. So if I don't experience it while it's happening with other people, the payoff of the experience lessens. Whereas watching some huge moment on This Is Us doesn't really cheapen with time. Whereas that, like, fun reference on SNL to the thing that happened in the news this week will provide less and less payoff as we get further and further away from the moment.
2: It's because of the narrative. The narrative is part of it. For me. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's a good example. Like, sports are obviously an example of something that people want to consume live and do in huge numbers. Would you not say that there's a narrative in sports games or even in wrestling programs?
0: I think that sports can sort of have this narrative baked in. I think wrestling obviously does, or tries to have a narrative. Mm-hmm. However, it is not the main focus. Narrative is sort of the only thing happening in a scripted television show. Wrestling has other than narrative going on and uh so I think the the payoff of the narrative alone.
2: What what is the other stuff besides the narrative that's happening? Is it just like the the physical action?
0: The physical action um there's a lot of there's a lot of wink wink nudge nudge to what is happening in the world right now.
2: In wrestling, you mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I in wrestling people will come out and make a promo where they use a word that somebody used in some big press conference or like that was a meet like barring too much, like, political uneasiness. Like, if you watch wrestling live, you can be like, oh, Xavier Woods snuck in a reference to that new game that's out. Like, there's something about a cultural zeitgeist that happens with live media.
2: I, I think, at least the way that WWE does that, it, it doesn't doesn't add to the show for the majority of the audience. But anyway. but I but, think but, the but larger football, part that's, is watching
0: it okay. as a group. Yeah. When football is on... I will, without talking to other people, I'm not like, hey, just so everyone knows, I'm going to watch the football game, but I will get a text halfway through the third quarter from my mom being like, did you see that touchdown? Because it's just happening for everyone. Yeah. And for me, and I, people that are really into sports may feel differently, but for me, I'm not super interested in watching the game tomorrow because I was mostly interested in the outcome of the game. The watching is secondary to the outcome. Mm-hmm. There's no okay. suspense in football if I know the Bills won for me. Yeah. I'm not studying the offensive play coordination or whatever words that you would use to talk about sports. Yeah. So, like, wrestling has more longevity. Earlier tonight, we watched a pay-per-view from 1996, right? Because we weren't watching it with people live. We were watching the matches. We were analyzing the moves, so wrestling, I think, holds up more than other live sports, but...
2: To rewatching,
0: To rewatching. Yes. But if I can't sort of, like, jump on a subreddit or jump on Twitter and see what other people are thinking, then, like, well, I could watch this whenever. Like, the, oh, I gotta watch it, kind of disappears for me.
2: Yeah. I think social media is a big piece of it. But obviously this urgency existed before social media. I'm not, not arguing. I'm just trying to understand because it's obviously something that is, that is real and true. I'm just trying to unpack what describe what it is
0: well before social media you couldn't just go buy a DVD box set of season 12 of raw before social media live linear TV was the only way to do it yeah and I think sports and wrestling more than narrative TV have done a better job captivating that you need to be engaging with us on social media while the event is happening I think another big factor is that while this is us is happening Everybody wants you to shut up about your watching experience because don't you spoiler that big narrative payoff
2: for right. me? This is, this is something I, I, I kind of want to get to is that you. you I, I seem to. I've never watched but one episode of Game of Thrones. It was too much for me. Sure, but I've heard that Game of Thrones is not o- now over. Yes, right. But while it was happening, there were people kind of live tweeting about it. Right, yeah. there were people tweeting about it. Where I think, um, what's what's the zombie show? The Walking, uh, Dead. Walking Dead. I, I like. I feel like I've seen people tweet about that, too, while they're watching it. Mm-hmm. So there's urgency for those really popular programs, it seems, to to watch it. I don't know if live is the right word, but to watch it on its first run.
0: Yes. Watching something while it's in the buzz, I think, can add to the experience. There are some shows that I sort of know if I don't watch them while everyone's talking about them, I may not watch them. Um, I think one of the differences, perhaps, with wrestling is the rate at which it refreshes. If I don't watch this week's, there's next week's. and If I don't watch next week's, there's the one after. There's no break. I can't be like, when the season ends, I'll just binge them all real quick.
2: It's because it's too much content, I
0: think. Yes. And also, would that be satisfying?
2: Would that be satisfying?
0: (laughs) To sit down on the couch for... Seventy-six hours and watch wrestling straight, like you can do with Breaking Bad. Like, would you feel good? Would you be like, "Wow, what a payoff that had at the end"?
2: Some people would, but not generally. No, no, I don't. Yeah, it's a different viewing experience, and I'm not. I'm not sure how to how to describe it. But yeah, all right. Um, <clears throat> that was question number one.
0: That was question one. One A. Yeah, yes. Did yeah. you want to know what's on NBC on the other days of the week?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday. Did we, we did Wednesday already, and that's yep. this is us and something else. Yeah.
0: It's always running our playlist and nurses. Okay. Thursday, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. Okay. Uh, Friday, we covered the blacklist and Dateline.
2: Okay. A weekend night? Probably not, right?
0: Probably not.
2: W wouldn't want to be on a weekend night for sure. Um, maybe a Wednesday night where you would have beginning s- September. 2024, AEW Dynamite and SmackDown going head to head with NXT living somewhere else due to maybe, you know, NHL staying with USA and staying Wednesday night. But uh, may- maybe yeah. um,
0: I would say <clears throat> my pitch where I one of NBC's folks, it would be Tuesdays. It's easy to bump a game show. Game shows can be yeah. whenever. Yeah.
2: And that, those are probably slots though, where those programs have not had
0: a long run. Right. Many of them are quite new. Yeah. Okay. So, Colin's second question: What kind of leverage could NBCU have over creative direction of Raw, NXT, the network?
2: I, I think nothing in addition to what it already has over Raw, which which I think is probably uh, they you know NBC Universal and WWE talk to each other all the time, and NBC Universal probably gives uh, a decent amount of feedback to WWE. Uh, I think reportedly or supposedly, NBC Universal had something to do with suggesting the idea of doing the twenty four seven title. Uh, you know, they probably have sort of mainstream type takes about the kind of program, the kind of people that that are on the program. Uh, I, I don't see that being anything in anything in excess of what is normal. I don't think it, you know NBC Universal is going to say, "Oh, we're investing all this extra money on." W now, now you have to do things differently. I don't know. Nothing like that is going to happen.
0: Colin's next question. I like the idea of NXT airing after two-hour Raw on USA on Mondays. What say you?
2: It, uh, the lead-out for Raw for some programs, very few, but some have, have gone well, mostly not well. But that's because they were programs that were like drama series, Silk Stockings, and Pacific Blue. And things of that nature. Joe Schmo show did pretty well on Spike and a lead out. Uh, USC Ultimate Fighter, uh, was sort of the kickoff to, to the USC becoming a lot more popular than it was before. Um, the thing is though now, Raw is three hours. And I don't think people who have just watched a three hour Raw want to watch two additional hours.
0: Colin did specify two hour Raw.
2: Oh, um, it sounds in, in a, in, in another two hour NXT. So a total of four hours. Um, I don't know. It, 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 uh, it's probably not going to happen. I think, I don't think Raw is going to get any shorter, much to the, uh, chagrin of, of wrestling fans. Uh, it's, it's too much money for WWE and it's too much of a, a macho challenge for Vince. He wants to show that he can do it and it, and it, and it provides essentially, uh, 33% extra revenue, at least in the U.S. Um, I don't know if those deals will be that different internationally, but it, it's probably, a lot of what adds the value to uh, to Raw. There's a reason why the the Raw deal is $265 million per year and the SmackDown deal is $205 million per year. And it's mostly got to do with the length of, the, of those respective programs. Um, I don't know. I, I don't watch Raw very often, so <laughs> I don't really feel one way or the other about it. But I would be surprised if it happens.
0: And Colin, you did not ask me, but here I am. Um, I... I don't love the idea. I feel like it would be likely to, in the eyes of wrestling fans, cheapen the NXT brand. I think it would make it... Because it's on
2: so late then?
0: It's on so late and it's just like very clearly second to Raw. I think it would make it feel more like a 205 Live, a Superstars, um, just like sort of a Raw addendum rather than its own stand on its own two feet brand and show.
2: Yeah, you, you probably want to keep that on at, at eight o'clock somewhere.
0: Um, Colin's next question: Do you think the next round of NBCU WWE negotiations are for at least partial ownership of the company? Partial ownership is something we haven't talked about yet.
2: NBC Universal formerly had partial ownership of WWE. Did you know that? I did not. During the XFL era, the, the first, the, XFL. the first XFL, yeah yeah I, I i noticed that I, I that that does sound familiar and i noticed that in the in the proxy statements when i was looking at that like last year i was studying w ownership um partial ownership non controlling ownership um i i don't know i would i guess i would be surprised if it's minority ownership why I, I, there's a dividend there's a val it would align your 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 objectives and it would align your uh you know it would, it would align NBCUniversal to want to see W do well. I don't know. But I, I would think, uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know maybe enough to answer this question, but I would think if, why why not just, if you're going to invest a lot, why not just get control of it? Well,
0: because Vince might say no.
2: Well, why do I want to own part of it then?
0: I mean, I don't know anything about the business world, but perhaps to sort of show show Vince you're serious, maybe you can set up some kind of partial ownership with like a, like a rent to own on a home.
2: <laughs> and a, a lot of what moves this stock up and down is the speculation of the media rights, which NBC Universal controls. Mm. And if part of my acquisition is an acquisition of, or if, if part of my deal is an acquisition of stock, at what point am I acquiring that stock? Like all at once and the deal gets announced and in the, in the, that sounds like insider trading. I don't know. That sounds like illegal insider trading. I don't know. I don't, because you're uh, making a stock move while having knowledge of non-public information, mm. which, which is a no-no. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know how, how that would work out legally.
0: I'm sure there are systems. Um, and then Colin writes, thanks for answering. I really appreciate your unique perspective on all this stuff, Colin and Phoenix. Well, thank you. Uh, our last patron question is from Mitch, who writes... How much stock has WWE bought back as part of their buyback program? Would be curious if it's tracked with the rise in price into the NBCU deal.
2: Yeah, I was actually, uh, talking with Mitch. I think this is the same person. I'm pretty sure it is. I was actually talking with Mitch about this uh, earlier today. I, I don't, I don't know if you can look up stock buyback options. That's something that might get revealed on Thursday with the, with the next reporting. But, uh, it could be, but i th- I think a lot of this is is driven by um is is driven by obviously stock analysts moving their price target up on w e over monday was weird and that the stock price didn't really move in fact it went down about a percent or two but uh the following day a lot of analysts raised their their price target to somewhere in the sixty dollar range and uh as of as of friday the w b stock is my stock, Apple, will, will load. It's it's somewhere in the high fifties. Uh, let's see here. It is fifty six dollars as of close Friday. So, um, and that's obviously a lot. I, most of that is driven by uh, optimism about a streaming deal. Uh, maybe optimism about generating some revenue. I don't see it as a huge profit. Uh, as a huge profit event for WWE WrestleMania, but they're going to do some tickets. Um, yeah. Maybe there's some international coming up. I I saw, I think Guggenheim in the in the article I read, you know, summarizing the Guggenheim analysis that maybe a MENA TV rights deal is going to happen. I have no anticipation that that's going to happen. You know, Vince said uh, maybe it'll happen sometime. He was he seemed totally uh, you know nonchalant about it, but yeah. Hopefully, we'll find out Thursday. Uh, Twitter questions.
0: Do you want me to just read all of them? Well, one at a time. (laughs) Okay. Uh, from Matthew Radcliffe, we have, how. and this uh, is similar to a question you've already answered, um, how much more soft power does this give NBC over WWE? I'm thinking of how they instituted the 24-7 title. Could we be getting more NBC ideas on WWE?
2: I hope so. I hope there's a 24-7 tag team title. I hope there's a 24-7. Women have already won the, the 24-7 title. Carmella. Okay. Um,
0: I mean, it may be others, but...
2: No, I don't. I, I don't think there'll be... I think... NBC Universal twenty
0: four seven tag team title. Yeah. <laughs> you have to find them both in the same place. <laughs> yes, I,
2: I think NBC Universal will not have any additional uh, input above what they have, um, and I think they see they see Vince as uh, you know the, the the W guy who uh, who kind of knows what he's doing.
0: Do you think, in the same vein? This is my own personal follow up question. We will see more celebrity crossover i.e. the hosts of weekend update showing up on wrestlemania to to cross promote nbc programs
2: maybe i don't know it could happen especially with with pay-per-views coming up to uh to promote
0: uh from dustin if the deal eventually leads to nbc also acquiring smackdown do you think fox would make a play for a less expensive wrestling product to replace it
2: that's interesting isn't it especially if AEWs. Demo numbers are close to to W's by about twenty twenty three or so, which I think is very possible. Yet, I think I would be surprised to see see. There's all these media companies involved in this. I don't really know how to read the situation. AEW is very close to Warner Media. Does how does Warner Media view Fox? Do they view them as a, a competitor that's, to the extent that it would be prohibitive? Well, on the other hand, you got WB clearly dealing with Fox and NBC Universal. So uh, maybe. Um I don't think, I don't see Dynamite leaving the Warner Media universe, but the, it's possible that, you know, you've got another hour of, of TV that's supposed to be coming up for, um, for AEW in this year sometime. Um, I, w- I wouldn't rule it out, um, but I don't see anybody other than a- AEW. And I, but I, actually, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see Fox replacing on broadcast WWE with a, a brand that's not yet the global leader in sports entertainment. I would be slightly surprised if if this, if this happens. So I would, I, would, I would lean towards that's probably not going to happen. Um, but I, I, I do see, you know, I, I continue to, it's not looking like it's leaning strong, you know, strongly in that direction right now here in the beginning of 2022. But I, I do still think that, uh, especially watch that P18 to 34 demographic and watch the margin between Dynamite and Raw get smaller over time. Um, and I think that's going to, what I think is probably going to happen is WarnerMedia is going to exercise its option at the end of its current deal, which will align the negotiation timing for WWE and AEW in the U.S. with their current partners and, and whoever else is, is interested. It's going to align those uh, those negotiations to happen at, at very much the same time, which may have some uh, exciting effects for the wrestling industry. Like, like, I don't know, for one thing, maybe WWE not getting as good of a deal as they would hope for or AEW getting a. Better deal than they would hope for. Like, maybe.
0: I'm picturing a meeting where Vince refuses to leave Fox no matter what, on the off chance that they might then give money to a different wrestling company. Yeah. Uh, our next question is from John. Had the WWE network already peaked and plateaued, and this was the next logical step, short of shutting it down, or a simple cash grab? Both, somewhere in the middle?
2: Well, If you listen to Nick Khan, uh, you know, they're behind a paywall and it's hard to get people to sample something once it's behind a paywall. So that was just the next the next step. Now, I think um, in the U.S. and probably globally since 2007, probably in the U.S. since 2017 and probably globally since 2018, uh, subscribers had not strongly grown. And uh, the Barrios Wilson idea was to do a premium tier and use that as a way to grow revenue. It would have grown some revenue. Um, I don't know that it would have grown revenues to the extent that this contract guarantees revenue will grow, uh, to, to the, to the extent of $200 million average annual value. I did some of the math, uh, on Twitter and it looks like, you know, you, I have to come up with a really optimistic scenario where, like, you do a $20 tier and, uh, you convert half of your US base to the $20 tier, which I think is very optimistic to say the least. And only at that point do you, generate about $200 million from your U.S. subscribers. So um, the network plateaued, and this is a way to make more money and to make it in a guaranteed manner.
0: Uh, The next question is from Hassan, which is actually um, the same as Frisco's question that we answered right at the front of the podcast. But thank you, Hassan, for writing in. Thanks. Uh, Our next question is from Rob. Rob are WWE still going to upload new classic content? It also seems they are only obligated to do one new documentary a year when they already do a lot more than that. Uh, But before you answer, uh, another person, Brian, responded to Rob with, I think, some helpful information, um, saying that, Brian believes that it is a different variety of documentary that they are contractually obligated to produce one of a year, more in the vein of the Andre the Giant one, less in the vein of what we're already seeing on the network.
2: So the Andre the Giant documentary was something that was done for HBO. Oh, right. What
0: are you saying, that style?
2: Yeah, I I would, uh, I'm I'm slightly optimistic that you'll continue to get uh, classic content. I I mean, I haven't been keeping up with it lately, but I think they were still doing a they were adding episodes of superstars. And I think uh, over time, I, I think they have employees whose, you know, whose job it is, among other things, is to continue to digitize and index the, uh, the content that's in their vault. And what are they going to do with it if not put it on the network? And I think uh, it'll be distributed internationally and through, through Peacock. Could be wrong.
0: Um, Bill asks, do any other streaming services that might have missed out on the WWE network kick the tires on an impact uh ring of honor library streaming deal.
2: Um probably not. I think those companies, those brands are too far below the radar to to really, I don't know, to be worthy of a, of a big move. Um and I think that they will continue to distribute their video libraries through their direct to consumer means. Huh? Is that is that a shot at Ring of Honor you're taking? <laughs>
0: Next. Um BMD in TDOT says is Peacock on devices like Xbox and PlayStation etc if not many people will be screwed.
2: I don't know that might be in the press release.
0: <laughs> um I do know.
2: Oh do you? Yes. Wow.
0: Peacock is available on Xbox and PlayStation and in fact Peacock is available on <clears throat> Android TV, Apple TV, Cox, LG TV, Roku, Vizio, Xfinity, Chrome OS, Mac OS, Windows PC, Androids, phones, and tablets, iPhone, iPad, PlayStation, and Xbox.
2: And uh, Peacock Premium will be getting a customer service invoice from Nomics at the end of this week.
0: <laughs> uh, Rob asks, how does this affect their Hulu deal?
2: It probably doesn't, not immediately. Um... I think Raw and SmackDown, and again, I'm just, this is just speculation, but I, I think Raw, you know, it would behoove them to continue to distribute uh, Raw and SmackDown through Hulu because it allows them to reach more people, and uh, Hulu is owned partially by NBC Universal, along with Disney. Fox no longer owns a piece of it, but uh, I think, I think things will stay the same. If you're used to using Hulu to to watch WWE, I don't, I don't expect that to change.
0: Well, NBC's current programming does go to Hulu as of right now as well. So. Yeah. Anthony asks, how will it affect non-American viewers? It won't. Yay. <laughs> Jeremy asks, do you think not only the network moving over, but other sports properties, will Peacock actually be successful? It appears they're trying to be the center of sport in the U.S. and beat out ESPN.
2: Um, I think Peacock over time will... We'll see. I, it, it it probably depends on what kind of content is there, and whether or not it, it, the content that's on there is popular enough to uh, to attract a lot of subscribers there. I, I sort of feel like these big media companies have enough resources and have enough control of content of content that's valuable and popular enough that over time the you know cable subscribers will con- will continue to diminish, and uh, there will be these. Streaming services that they're they're using to try to to catch the the, the revenue that's escaping, and I think the big players will, will are the best suited to, to survive it. Um, you think about Quibi; Quibi didn't work out.
0: That was bad timing.
2: And I think part of Quibi's problem was that well, it wasn't owned by a, a, a huge media company that could subsidize it indefinitely. Peacock does have that in the form of Comcast and NBC Universal. Um, I talked to somebody about Quibi who said well it was also that they paid they paid a lot for content maybe overpaid for content um maybe NBC universal is doing that here too but but again they have probably a huge bank to to float this for a while and uh cable cable tv is still a huge business and it's still providing people with a lot of money you know we, we talk about how cable is dying and uh the streaming wars are where it's at um but still the the most popular video subscription service in the world is still cable TV. So it's it's still I a huge find business. That baffling. It's still a huge business if not a declining one.
0: Uh, next question is from someone who is on Twitter as Max Power. Sweet. And they say with an
2: exclamation point.
0: Yeah, that's why I said it like that. All right. Do you in think all caps. the Peacock Network's lack of night court episodes will have a ripple effect against WWE?
2: I think probably. Um, was was uh, John, well, who's on, who's on Night Court? Have you ever seen Night Court? Um, John Loracat. Is John Loracat yeah. on Night Court? Can you look that up? I will look it up. Um, I think, you know what I think would be really immersive is if I could uh, engage in an experience on the Peacock Premium Streaming Service where I can watch a 1995 episode of Raw that is auto-played to be followed by an episode of Silk Stockings um or you know a uh, a 1996 episode that is you know programmed to be followed by an episode of Walker Texas Ranger or or an episode that is programmed to be followed by Murder She Wrote or any of these various programs that have played before or after Raw so I can sort of relive total immersion nostalgia and sort of relive an entire TV lineup as it actually aired at right. the time
0: like a museum i would like to watch july twelfth, nineteen 1996 mm-hmm. on linear tv with
2: with the commercials that aired at the time
0: oh wow i think you might want to just watch wandavision
2: how are you liking wandavision
0: i really like it <laughs> it's very fun uh very very fourth wall breaking you said john lorquette yes yes ah
2: i think Mookie will appreciate that i think he's a night court uh, appreciator anyway
0: Jim asks, will WWE still produce original non-in-ring content?
2: Like documentaries and things like that? And uh, probably. I don't know what the incentive is. Well, I guess they still have international subscribers. But uh, probably. Um, Because it's what they've always done, and they have a lot of people and personnel set up to do that. And um, maybe there's a certain expectation, maybe contractually, maybe not contractually, um, for them to, to, to continue to provide that.
0: I mean, the question everybody wants to know is, will there be another season of Legends House?
2: No. <laughs> so Legends House was really expensive to, to produce, I guess. And a lot of that content that they launched the W Network with was quite expensive. And it, as it turned out, people just wanted to watch more wrestling. Huh. Well, things like uh, NXT and the, the, uh, the first UK tournament were among you know the most popular uh, stuff on there. And uh, George Barris was surprised.
0: Uh Doug. Asks, do you think we may end up seeing a similar situation where Warner Media offers a single annual rate for WWE's pay-per-views and they end up on HBO Max
2: for AEW's pay-per-views? Yes. Yes. Um, Is that not what I said? I think you said WWE's pay-per-views. Um,
0: so sorry, Doug.
2: Maybe not. Not anytime soon, though. Um, there's a discussion in the uh, the Voices of Wrestling Slack where I, I I said I think you know. HBO as a brand probably doesn't want to be associated with pro wrestling, but uh, you know someone said that, well... They
0: did Andre. It,
2: that's true. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, it's possible, but probably down the line. I, th- I think one, this is maybe just you know, tangentially related to Doug's question, but I think something down the line is that, so AEW has a very small library at this point because they've only been producing wrestling events since May 2019 and have only been producing weekly wrestling events since October 2019 so they have a relatively small library at this point um at, at some point though you accumulate enough of a library and enough of a history to where uh, it it would it would behoove you know somebody to 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 put that in a in a in a streaming service somewhere where where people can pay to to watch that on demand um and uh the most most likely place for it is some somewhere where something is owned by Warner Media so maybe HBO Max I don't know can you see wrestling on the HBO Max app though Can you imagine that?
0: Yeah. Okay. I think it would be like if you go into the HBO Max app and you scroll all the way down, there's little subsections where you can go to like DC universe stuff, Mm. Looney Tunes universe stuff. I think there would be like a wrestling universe. Like, I don't know that it would ever be in the here's the scrolling banner of prestige show options, but somewhere. Okay. Um, Tim asks, does WWE continue to invest in exclusive content for Peacock or do they focus their resources elsewhere? If the latter in what area do you anticipate them investing in?
2: This is from Tim. Oh, exclusive content. Well, I think whatever they, they put on Peacock is going to be on the W network. Um, I don't really have a great handle on where else they, they would invest. I, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't really think I understand enough about what, what Christina Salem is talking about when she says she sat down with um, the chief technology officer W as soon as she came to the, uh, to the company and, and sort of talked about, you know, how they can, you know, invest in, with the company's resources better. Um, <clears throat> we saw things uh, when George Barris was the CFO and co-president where, you know, they, they've made investments in DraftKings and Funware, of course, in Tout, in uh, Flow Sports. Um I would I don't know I would expect uh similar types of investments in new media and I would expect you know maybe look at you know the kinds of uh things that Christina Salen has been interested in investing in and maybe they go to similar places I think there's an opportunity for WE to uh invest in some form in the gaming industry which seems next to week be
0: opening Sasha Banks' Etsy store.
2: Is that happening? Are you, are you announcing this? <laughs>
0: no, absolutely not. Yes. Okay. Uh, Larry asks, will there be more Jimmy Garvin matches?
2: Well, what what more Jimmy Garvin matches are, are there left to pull out of the vault? Uh, a lot of the world class is there. A lot of the, the, the Crockett promotion stuff is there. Um, where else did Jimmy Garvin work uh, that Debbie might own the rights to uh, to, to to the libraries, all, all the WCW stuff is there. I think it's all out there already.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Eric says so. I have Peacock free through my cable provider, and the network transitions over mid-March. When do I cancel so I don't get charged the extra ten bucks for the network?
2: That's a, a question for Comcast customer service.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh.
2: Probably sometime before I think it's March 10th or whenever they're uh, they're saying that you should that they're going to migrate everybody over.
0: I would cancel right like it's a 30 day billing cycle. So I would cancel right after you pay the the February fee, like whatever the one is right before I would cancel them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nehemias Cortez says with the rights of the network in the US on Peacock and La- Latin America. And Latin America rights of live pay per views currently on Fox Premium channel Star Premium from 222. Is there any chance the Latin American rights of the WWE network, WWE network landing on Disney's Star Plus streaming service, ESPN Plus, and Hulu's Disney owned general content?
2: This is the first I'm hearing of, of, uh, of this um, of, of Star, Disney's Star Plus streaming service. Maybe. I I'm, I'm, I have no idea. Why, why, why does this pay-per-views being on Fox mean that the network would do a deal with, with Disney? I'm not sure.
0: Well, I think they're saying that Fox is a star premium channel.
2: Okay. I
0: don't know a lot about Latin American TV. Even though you are... Outside of Red Guarani Network.
2: Even though you are a Latin American wrestling superstar.
0: Oh, superstar is a big word for what I did.
2: Superstar doesn't really mean anything
0: anymore. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, Rick says, do you see any chance of missing original music eventually getting placed on the archive, such as Jimmy Hart's WCW cover themes and Jimi Hendrix's Voodoo Chili? Voodoo Child. Child. Child? That's not a word.
2: Uh, No, I I don't think there's that much attention to detail and care about, about that stuff. Um, I, I guess the the impl- implication is that is delay, does, does,
0: and I will die on that sword.
2: Does, like Universal own the rights to this music, I guess. Is that, like, maybe they do, um, but but it's probably already been overdubbed, and it would be additional work to remove the dub. So I would expect not. So there are the questions. Thanks to Kate for helping with the questions. I think we got to most of them. Thanks to everyone for sending in their questions. Both patrons and the people who submitted questions on Twitter. Thanks to everyone for listening. Now it's time for the hard sell of the full year 2020 report. That comes out Monday morning, February 1st. A report that is more than 60 pages long, more than 8,000 words. That does include some of the text in the charts. But 8,000 words, more than 60 pages It will be offered in PDF form again on Payhip for $6 and to all monthly supporters who are supporting at the $5 rate on patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. It's going to have uh, everything that you really need to understand the wrestling business in the year that was 2020 and going forward now into this year, including company profiles, key metrics, including an original survey that I did independently originally on a net promoter score It involved over 500 surveys, 500 responses to a survey with some pretty insightful results. Company finances as well, uh, media key metrics, including television viewership, including the various TV rights deals that various wrestling companies have throughout the world. Streaming video subscriptions, pay-per-view buys, YouTube views, social media followers, some information about live events to the extent that there were Live events in 2020. Consumer products details, inclu- including WWE's uh, merchandise sales overall. Various consumer product licensing partners. Google web search for the major companies. Google web search for the major companies wrestlers. That is for WWE, AEW, and New Japan. A count of wrestlers with at least 10 matches by company. giving give you an idea of how many wrestlers each company is using. A reception of major events study looking at cage match data, looking at Wrestling Observer newsletter data. Uh, And then part two will have insights and opinions, a historical look at WWE competition, how COVID highlighted how wrestling is a media business, no longer so much a live event business, Uh, a look at WWE's core content rights fees throughout the world, an estimate by me, Uh, a look at how Google web search uh, can tell us a lot about the momentum of certain, of, of all the major wrestling brands. I uh, look at how Vince Man continues to drain the brand value with his execution of creative and the future of live events. What will they be? Will there be as many live events post-COVID and a look at the future of talent development in the professional wrestling world? That is basically a rundown of the table of contents. Again, just $6 on PayHip, or if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can sign up Uh, As you listen to this, sign up for $5 and you will see a post posted Monday morning with this PDF in it. Um, I'm also separately going to offer the data. I'm going to offer the Excel file separately for anybody who's extreme enough to want to get into that. That will be available on PayHip also. Again, that is the Pro Wrestling Industry Full Report for the year of 2020 this is the follow-up to the report that i did in 2019 uh in addition to that this week scheduled to drop tuesday an elo 500 you've heard of the pwi 500 will be first ever a contributor article on wrestlenomics.com will be published on tuesday by matt schroeder who's helped me with a lot of the NXT uh, performance center studies in the past has now done an ELO study to uh, assess who are the top in, in terms of an ELO, uh, ELO score, which is a kind of score that is used to rate chess players. We're applying that to pro wrestlers in the year of 2020 and determining who are the top 500 wrestlers in the world based on an ELO score that will be published on wrestleonics.com for free ad free WrestleNomics.com that, that article again Will be from Matthew Schroeder So I think that's all I have to hype for now uh, Thanks to everybody Who uh, talked to me This past week And had me on their podcasts uh, John Pollock from Post Wrestling Wade Keller from the PW Torch Josh Nason from the Wrestling Observer F4W Online website Tony Maglio from The Rap, Danny from Social Suplex What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful. And and on Thursday, don't forget, on Thursday in the afternoon, after the market closes, after you're done making all your latest moves on GameStop, all the financial results for Q4, and a look back at the entire year of 2020 from WB. that comes out. The SEC filings will be filed. I will be covering it on Twitter and on WrestleNomics.com. Maybe I'll do some bonus audio. There's going to be a notebook here for patrons. Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. $5 a month. There's an article right now, a locked post on Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics going over the NBCU deal, analyzing it, estimating what the deal is worth through five years. Check all of that out, and I will, uh, I'm will. i sure everyone will hear from me again later in the week. Follow WrestleNomics at WrestleNomics.com. Follow Brandon Thurston at Brandon Thurston, and I'm Brandon Thurston. I'll talk to you next time.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.